TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's the Score North Twin Show. And welcome to the Score North Twin Show. As always, Judd Zolgad, Jake DePew with you. Uh, we're recording this a day early. Ordinarily, we record on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but the playoffs are going to start on Tuesday. The Twins playing host to the Astros in a uh, best-of-three first round on Tuesday. And, Jake, let's start there. Um, I think if you are the Twins privately, I mean, you're, you're not going to come out and say this, uh, if you are Rockaball Belly and the Twins, though, I think you have to be absolutely ecstatic about how the last weekend of the season played out you clinched the al central but you lost on sunday and bumped down to the three seed uh and if you were ever going to end a 16 game incredible to say if you were to ever going to end a 16 game postseason losing streak uh i think the sub 500 houston astros give you a pretty damn good chance since the twins are going to be at home i mean this could not have worked out better for the twins i i just told you this before we started recording but Literally, if you wanted to draw up the perfect bracket for the Twins, to me, it would be the Astros' first round because the Astros are clearly the worst team in the AL to make the playoffs. I mean, they're under 500. And then if you win that, and boy, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because, like you said, 16-game playoff losing streak. But if they win that, both the A's and the White Sox, you feel like those are good teams, but you feel like you have a good shot. The Yankees are on the other side of the bracket. I mean, it's just they could not have gotten a better draw. Uh, but you know, with a team, an organization that's lost 16 straight playoff games, you can't take anything for granted. You can't just assume they're going to win this series. And look, even if they've had won, a, uh, you know, the World Series last year, you can't assume they'd win this series because it's a three-game series and baseball's weird and weird things happen. But it could not have gone better. The fact that they lost that game yesterday uh, and, and the White Sox lost and the A's won, I mean, it was just the perfect scenario. Despite Rocco... Play, you know, really managing to try to win that game, even even when the Cubs had a big lead. And I do realize that that game got very close late. But um, I, it was curious to me why he used the relievers that he did because losing is, uh, I think, the best case scenario there. We can get more into that. But but the big takeaway is just that they set themselves up perfectly. They finally got some luck, and now it's time to cash in. So they'll start the series, as we said, they play the first game of the day, one central on uh, Tuesday, and then they're going to play at noon on Wednesday. Let's start with this question. So during the course of what truly became a debacle of a game, Jake, on Friday, the Twins uh, lost Josh Donaldson, who got pulled in the top of the second, actually, right before it started because of, I think, what they called uh, cramping in his right calf, which is the same calf that caused him uh, about to miss about 30 games in this season. Uh, so cramping in his calf is a huge deal. Uh, in the eighth inning of the same game on Friday night, the bottom of the eighth, Byron Buxton led off and got hit in the head by a pitch, uh, leading to what Derek Falvey the next day called a concussion, minor concussion symptoms, which there's no such thing. You no. have a concussion or you don't. All of that being said, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you could only have one of them in game one, which one do you start? Which one do you take? Oh, that's an easy answer for me, Judd. I mean, it's Buxton 10 times out of 10. I take him over any single player on the roster. It's not even close. Uh, Donaldson is probably the second most important, uh, valuable position. Yeah, that's true. But, but Buxton is, I mean, all you have to do is look at their record. The sample size is large enough now with how many games he's missed. Look at their record with him and without him. I mean, he is a 
colossal difference maker, you know, on the base pass, in the field, what the bat, everything. I mean, he's just the whole deal. Um, So there is no question if they get Buxton back, it's huge. If they don't have him, uh, you're looking at a very different series. And, you know, they can call it minor. They can downplay it as much as they want. We all know the Twins downplay injuries. He got hit in the head, and it's a guy with concussion, a concussion history, a history of migraines. Um, it, you know, you, you look, you, you, you just can't take anything for granted with that. I mean, you have no idea how he's going to respond from one day to the next. It was a very good sign in my mind that he was at the game Sunday. So if you look at the picture that the twins tweeted out uh, with them with the, you know, AL central banner, uh, and then there's actually a video that they tweeted out today. Um, both of those show Buxton, um, you know, one in the picture and one in the video. So he was there and he was smiling and, and, you know, so, it, 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 that's a good sign. He's not, you know, sitting in a dark room somewhere, you know, dealing with a migraine or whatever. So I took that as a good sign. It doesn't mean he's going to play. It doesn't mean he didn't wake up today with worse symptoms because concussions are very unpredictable and we don't know, you know, how you people react from one day to the next. Um, but I, I, I certainly take that as a positive. Uh, man, they need him. I mean, they absolutely need him uh, both to win this series and, and certainly to make a, a deep run. Who, who would you take? I would take Buxton. The Donaldson factor, I think, is important. And and it's not because I, I tweeted this out after he uh, left the game on Friday, and clearly it was a calf problem. And so this is concerning. Like, this could be a big deal. Uh, and I tweeted something out, and I got back, oh, he's hitting, what, 230, and he hasn't done what we thought he would. Oh, um, but my tweet was about this fact. And the same holds true for Buxton, Jake. Defensively, defensively, Donaldson makes plays at third base that make it look like UI could make the play because it looks so simple. But we couldn't. And in fact, guys like Adrianza sometimes can't. And so my starting point is not what are you doing at the plate and did you uh, achieve what we thought you would as far as home run totals go or as far as average slugging percentage on base go. My starting point is this pitching staff Needs good defense, and Buxton is a one. I mean, he he is the he is the best player at his position in the game today. But Donaldson at third base makes a lot of very important plays, and he makes them look routine. And so we think, okay, the replacement guy can make those plays, which is simply not true. Um, so I'm I'm with you. Buxton would be my first choice if I could get one of the two back. But that being said, I really think if you're going going to make a playoff run here and you're going to get past this round and then go to the bubble and uh, potentially contend to get past the division series, Jake. I really think that you need both guys, not necessarily for everything they're going to do offensively, but for what they're going to do to help prop up your pitching staff in the field. There's no question about it. They are the two, in my opinion, the two most valuable position players on the team because of what of, of everything you just said. I mean, it, they're, they're both the, the, the whole package. And um, Donaldson, look, they both concern me. Donaldson concerns me because as much as the Twins want to say it's a cramp, I mean, come on. Like, he has a history with, this, with both of these calves. If you zoom in on that picture, I did a little <laughs> investigative work. I like this. Yes, it's very yes. good. Yeah, investigator Depew. Uh, if you zoom <laughs> in on that picture, you can mm-hmm. see that there's a wrap around Donaldson's right calf, which if it's just a cramp, uh, why, do you, why do you have a wrap on it two days later? Uh, you know, I'm, uh, 
I'm sure that it's something more than that. I mean, it may have been reported as cramp-like, cramp-like um, symptoms. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm with you totally. Yeah, I mean, it's something. It's something, and it's something significant. And um, he'll probably let's hope that he's available, and he'll probably try to gut it out. Uh, but if he's not 100 percent or close to 100 uh, percent, I don't care about him running the bases. I don't care if he runs hard down the first baseline. My concern really is that if he doesn't have that explosive factor to dive for balls and mm-hmm. get to, to balls and you know, that are uh, between the, the shortstop and the third baseman, um, that's an issue. You know, if he's hobbled and can't make those plays that you were just referring to uh, that maybe Adrianza can't, then he's suddenly not that valuable of a player. So I'm concerned. I'm concerned about both of them. Here's my question to you, Judd. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Donaldson maybe is at fault isn't the right, phrase but do you think that he was pushing to play through this and get be in the lineup every day because he was in the lineup pretty much every day until he got injured and my guess is that Rocco and company probably wanted to rest him and he said no that's just speculation do you think that he maybe pushed it a little too hard uh and that that could be part of the reason um that this happened because you were spec we were both speculating about this before he went out with the injury that he didn't look right in the games leading up to it he wasn't running hard at all down the line he just right. hobbled. Right. Uh, yes. Yes. I think that I think that Josh basically makes the call on when Josh is going to sit and play. And I'll take you back three weeks now, I believe, on the Saturday that he did the Zoom call and torched umpires. Okay. So that was the overriding storyline. Uh, but right. he was asked a question about that night's game in Wrigley Field against the Cubs two weeks back. He, he was asked a question about that night's game. And he said, I just want you to know I'm not playing tonight. Rocco is holding me out. And then he he said, and then he said, he's been trying to hold me out for a few days now. And I agreed to this one. Wow. Which, which substantiates your point big time. He's clearly making calls on when he plays, how he manages that calf. And look, he's a competitor. He's wound tight. I'm not surprised. Uh, But I think that your assumption is correct because it it was totally lost in that call. And you could tell he was, I don't want to say he was totally pissed off, but you could tell he was sort of like, I've agreed not to play as if I've missed a lot of time. I want to play. Um, And and Baldelli had been pushing for him to sit for a few games and he had basically said no. Now, Now to take your investigator hat and put it on my head, Here's the interesting thing about the Donaldson injury factor that really concerns me. I think he aggravates it from running the bases, okay? But I think the root of his problems, at least the two times that he's hurt his right calf here, is explosion while playing third base. Here's why. He, he came out of the, I think it was the July 30th game against Cleveland, and he was pinch hit for in that game. And the inning before that, he had made two plays defensively. And they were both routine fine plays, like nothing big. But it's pretty clear that he aggravated it or felt it pop in the field. Now, I'm still going to stand by my contention that calf problem two did not start on Friday. It started when he made that almost phenomenal play in the field against the Tigers, correct? Mm-hmm. And that play at third base where he damn near made a play that, that – would have made Brooks Robinson blush. Um, but again, that play, that play in particular was born of a first step explosion yes. off that leg. This, I, I think he's doing the damage through that. And that's what concerns me because to go back to my point is in the playoffs, 
I value his defense mightily. And if he simply can't have that explosion, it's going to slow him down and he's going to think twice. And now we've got a problem because it's not a, it's not a, I'm still fine in the field and I can hit, but I really can't run. It's a, I can't explode off my right leg to make a defensive play. And all of a sudden balls are going down the third baseline. So it's a very weird thing, but I think your assumption is a thousand percent right. I think to a large degree, and I don't think he's dumb, but I do think that Josh makes calls on when Josh plays. And Rocco is involved, and probably so is Falvey. But this is definitely not a 22-year-old kid being told by the manager and president of baseball operations what he's going to do. Or even Buxton, because I remember somebody asked Buxton on a Zoom call a while ago, like, you ever tried to talk your way into the lineup? You know, and Buxton was like, oh, you know, not really. Or, you know, it's like I don't think he has necessarily the power to do that. And to your point, I think, I think Donaldson clearly does and, and has stated that in these press conferences, these Zoom calls. Um, just speaking as someone who has experience with calf issues, so like, I, I, you know, I, I played tennis in college, very low-level D3 at McAllister, but I, would, I had calf issues on and off. Where it really affects you in a sport, like tennis is perfect for this, right? It's that first step. That's right. where it would get me. If I had a little calf strain, it, I would aggravate it on a first step, really trying to, you know, explode – um, explode off of that calf and, and, and make quick movements. And so, yeah, I mean, I think if he is dives for a ball or, or is thinking about diving for a ball, to your point, and maybe he doesn't do it because he doesn't want to re-aggravate it, you can't play like that. And Donaldson doesn't play like that. That's what we love about him. He plays, you know, he goes 100%. But um, I, I just worry that he's going to try to push through it, which might help the Twins in this first-round series. But, you know, I question – if he's going to be able to, if they make a deep run, is he going to make it through 20 plus games uh, of really high intense baseball? Maybe, maybe, uh, but you know, it's, this is, this is, this is bad. I mean, this mm-hmm. is going to be a recurring issue, not just this year, uh, but there's nothing that would suggest that this won't be a, an issue over the, the next three years of his contract. Um, Absolutely. So it, it, it's a problem. It's a problem. And um, obviously right now we just have to, as, as media members and, um, you know, fans and the Twins, you have to think short term in terms of can he make it through these next two to three games. But, um, lar- you know, the 20,000 foot view is uh, this isn't going away. No, and, and he, he's had cap problems since what now, 2017? Is that correct? I, I think it started in 17 and he missed time then and he missed time in 18. And it's both of them. So, yeah, and my guess is, and it, it wasn't widely reported at the time, my guess is that the reason why he probably didn't draw more lucrative offers and interests during the winter is this because I mean this is a problem and this is a and look this guy's tough as nails I mean he, he's a competitor this is not a oh my god he's gonna rest on his laurels and not play oh anything but and, and so he legitimately can't play when, when he is not playing this is not a guy that is taking the uh, cash and you know saying thank you very much so uh what are your thoughts game one Maeda Granke I will start with this um, Granky definitely net pitcher in 2020 in the shortened season that he has been previously. Yeah, I mean, I love the I love the matchup. I think if you were a betting man, you would have to bet on the Twins. You know, I mean, I, I, Granky is still a good pitcher. He he mm-hmm. put up good numbers this year, but like you said, he's nowhere near the Granky of you know the, his Dodgers days when he was, and even going to the Diamondbacks when he was a really dominant. Uh, pitcher, Maeda is clearly better right now. He's he had a better season, uh, and and Frankie's on the tail end of his career. I mean, I love the matchups 
for the Twins throughout all three games. I think they had the advantage in pitching, hitting. Like, they're just a better team. Um, the Astros are not good, you know? I mean, and Which is I, what I, scares I, me about them because the series is so short. Well, so here's the thing. Any <laughs> team, any team would scare us, right? I mean, if they were playing yeah, – you're right. If they were playing the Orioles first round, it, right. they would scare us because it's a three-game series and it's baseball. This isn't basketball, you know, uh, where the better team is, you know, always going to beat a, a really inferior team. Mm-hmm. Um, so any team will scare you, but yeah, I mean, I, I just I think Houston might be the worst team. Well, the Brewers might be worse, but other than the Brewers, they might be the worst team in the playoffs. Um, so I love all the matchups. Like when I break it down, I love everything for the Twins. Uh, it's just there's so much variance and so much randomness that you can't be sure. The, the Twins need to get a good start from Maeda. Their bullpen arms need to lock it down, and, and, and they need to score enough runs to win. But, yeah, Greinke, he's just not the pitcher that he was. I like the matchup for Sano because I think Sano really struggles with velocity. I think he struggles catching up. Well, he struggles with breaking balls down in a way too. But he struggles. Like Garrett Cole would be a horrible matchup. For Snow, because I don't think he can catch up to that 98, 99 mile an hour fastball up in the zone. Greinke throws like 88, you know, like 88 to 90. Uh, so I like the matchup for Snow. If Snow's going to bust out and get on, go on one of his hot streaks, I think the Astros staff are probably, I think that staff is a good um, uh, opportunity for him to do that. So all the matchups are in favor of the Twins, but, you know, my concern is that. Houston gets a, a lead early because if Houston gets a lead early, if they jump out to nothing, you know, uh, Springer pops in over the wall or whatever, then yep. it starts to be, here we go again. Here we go again. Yeah. There aren't going to be fans there, which will yep. probably help the twins. But again, they can say all the right things. They know about this streak. They're aware of it. And they've they're as I said on the last podcast, they're a part of it, right? Yeah. They lost in 2017 and 2019. Why you didn't want the Yankees? Right. Oh, not around one. You didn't. Absolutely. But I think, you know, we would probably panic maybe more than they would. But I do think getting an early lead is going to be really critical. Really. Do critical. you do you think that Rocco changes? Um, how can I put this nicely? Do you think Rocco changes his mentality a bit, g- given what he had to have learned in the first round, a best three or five against the Yankees last year? And given the fact that my feeling is tomorrow, if Maeda pitches well, he should be left in for the for for not nine. I'm not saying nine, uh, but the whole regular season philosophy of uh, that's six and that's it, or so, probably needs to at least be, if not rethought, reconsidered. I think that's a big question, and we've talked about it all season long. But I mean, um, now that we're there, what do you think he? Because he's a he, a really smart guy. Like Baldelli's a smart guy who strikes me. If anybody's going to learn Jake, he strikes me as the type of guy who would learn. Yes. So, I mean, last year against the Yankees had to be um, a type of instruction to him about some of the do's and don'ts of playoffs. Okay. So here, here are my thoughts on this. My, I think a weak spot of Rocco that makes his players love him. Uh, but it's a weak spot in terms of strategy is that he wants to constantly instill confidence in his players by saying, I trust you in this big spot. So I think that he would stretch starters an extra inning because that's a show of faith. Kenta, you're our guy. We love you. We trust you. Go out there and give us that seventh inning. We're not pulling you after six with 90, 95 pitches. 
where I think it could come back to bite him is that same philosophy goes to some of the, the arms that are farther down on the depth chart in the bullpen. I think we could still see Cody Stashek, um, you know, or maybe even Jorge Alcala, Thielbar, guys like that out there in a close game. That, to me, would be a big mistake because um, – Mm. Judd is, is giving a look of consternation. I think I just got a headache. Um, I think my head I, started I, pounding. I think we're going to see more of that, unfortunately, because he's used those guys in really big spots in the regular season where these games have really mattered. So I, I don't think – my whole philosophy on this three-game series is only pitch your best like six or seven arms, and that includes guys like Rich Hill and, and Odorizzi who will be in the, the bullpen. Um, I would not pitch – I, I like Stashek. He's a good reliever in the regular season. I wouldn't pitch a guy like that unless you have like a te- you know a big lead in the eighth or ninth inning. I, I don't think Rocco sees it that way. I how think. Much, go ahead. Oh, I, I was go- going to say off that note. How much do you trust Sergio Romo right now? I do not trust Sergio Romo a lot right now. <laughs> I don't either. I think this is the problem. Like the 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 usage of this bullpen beyond let's say. Duffy and I, th- I think Whistler has his role, yeah. um, but beyond like three, two or three guys, I'm really curious because because my once high confidence in some guys <laughs> has dwindled at this point. So Romo was bad yesterday. He cost him that game, which ended up being great for the Twins. But um, he was bad. I-, I think Romo started the year really, really well and has really fallen off and it seemed to coincide with that Indi- that Cleveland series where he was chirping um, and and appeared two days in a row and the second day he got lit up and Cleveland chirped him back as they should have. It, it doesn't seem like he's been the same since. I'm not saying that got to him mentally. I, I doubt it did. This is a guy that's closed out World Series, uh, but he hasn't been the same for whatever reason since then. I, I, he's not high on my, on my trust chart or whatever you want to call trust it. Trust tree. Like, trust tree. Thank you. Trust tree, tree of trust. The tree of trust. Tree of trust. Let, let, let's do tree of trust really quickly. Duffy, yeah. number one for me. Yeah, agree um, with you. Whistler, number two, and that's a crazy thing to say. But Whistler, in the right role, in the right role, yes, in the right role. Agreed. Um, Clipper, number three. May, number four. Rogers, five. Can I tell you something? I think is crazy, but but I think given the circumstances and their ages and experience, I would put Clipper two, Whistler three right now. In that's the fair. That, that, that's totally fair. I mean, Clipper. I put Clipper. I I think Clipper. Clippard doesn't always he doesn't always have great games, but I don't know he is going to be overwhelmed by the moment through this yeah. at all. I, I don't I know. Agree. I don't think so. I don't think he will be. I think Whistler. I think you might be asking a lot, but he's still he's still my third guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just you just don't know. Some guys react great to that, and some don't. Um, but yeah, those are my guys. And then and then I think you have to throw Hill and Odorizzi in there too because I, I think. Odorizzi, it sure sounds like, will be a part of the playoff roster. He alluded to it yesterday and said, I can't tell you I know, which to me, and, but, he, but he sort of smiled. Yeah. If he was going to be left off that first-round roster, there's no way he smiles. Right. Um, Hill I'm more curious about because I, I think that there are going to be legitimate questions about getting him up in the pen and ready. But I also think that they don't want to completely PO him. And, and keep in mind, too, the one thing with Hill, great guy, off the field, wound incredibly tight, right? I thought about this one. Rich Hill probably went to Baldelli and said, I will pitch anytime, anywhere that you want against the Astros because they screwed me in 17. 
because he was on the Dodger team that lost to the trash can banging Astros in the World Series. And so I really think that this is probably this is probably personal for Maeda to a certain degree, but Hill for sure. Yeah. And I don't think Rocco would, and this might not be right of him, but I don't think Rocco and Falvey would tell Rich Hill sorry. So I think Rich Hill is going to be on the playoff roster probably because he is begged to be. And I don't think it's a slam dunk that he won't be successful if he has to pitch from the pen. I just don't know how it's going to go. So I agree with you that they, they would listen to Hill and do what he asked. But I, I, and that's the reason Alex Avila, I think, probably started yesterday when Mitch Garver and Jeffers badly needed at bats. It's like, why are you starting Alex Avila? My guess is that he's, it's because he's a veteran and a smart guy. And, and maybe, who knows, maybe he's retiring. I, probably not. And that's total speculation. But it was weird that he started to me that game. But Hill is the same way. But I would have him on the roster no matter what. He couldn't pitch Tuesday, but Wednesday would be his normal side day, you know. Uh, so he, yeah. he could maybe pitch him an inning or two on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, and he's just too damn good a pitcher. And he pitched well yesterday, by the way. He's just too damn good to, to not have him you. in there. I'm in an you. ideal world, he doesn't pitch, and you have him available for game one or two of the, of the ALDS um, when you're going to need more starters. But he's got to be in there. So uh, let me give you, let me throw at you two different scenarios. And I want you to tell me if you have all of your arms available, including Odorizzi and Hill, who you pitch. All right. All right. Sixth inning, mid, middle innings, tie game, uh, runners on base. You pull Maeda. Who do you bring in in that situation? Sixth inning? Six, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh. But it's a tie inning. game. I'm, yeah. I'm not up. It, it's a tie game. Uh, part of it would obviously depend on who is hitting. I, I know, um, I know, but just but, but I prob but I probably I probably at this point in time bring in Clipper. I love what he's done of late, and again, I don't think the situation is going to daunt him. Why not May? I trust Clipper more. Trevor May, uh, Trevor May throws hard, and personally, I think he strikes me as a really good guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think we like Trevor May because he's on Twitter because he plays a lot of games I don't get. Um. And, and he throws hard, and I think he is a good bull, bullpen arm. Uh, but, Jake, part of this has to depend, for me, being a team that, again, and I don't care what the context is, that's lost 16 consecutive playoff games, okay? Part of this has to be, if I'm Rocco, looking at especially bullpen arms and saying, I'm trying to break this streak. Like, I need to break this streak. Who can handle it? And if it comes down to Clifford, Whistler, and May, I rank them this way. Clifford one, Whistler two, May three. Ideal world, I would trust May more. Quite frankly, right now, in in that predicament that you just, or uh, in the situation that you just painted, I trust him the third. So third, third or three guys. Sorry, I, I, I'm totally with you. I, I I like May as a guy. He, he I think I said in the last podcast when you interview him, he's a, he's really interesting to talk to. He has incredible insight and just talks and talks and talks. It's great. He seems to me like he sometimes gets flustered that could be wrong but it seems to me that he gets flustered in big spots at times phil goes back to um well i don't know if phil has ever said this on the air so i I won't say that but uh, there have been times where may just looks really rattled to me um and which goes back to his first game in oakland which sort of set the tone for i think and again this is not an indictment but it sort of set the tone for who he is which is he has to, he needs, the more comfortable he gets, the better he gets, which is true for probably Jake DePew, 
of course. Judd Zolgad. So this is not, but I just, I really think, and, and I do think that for the most part now in a regular season game, for the most part, he's pretty comfortable. But am I going to take that same leap in a playoff game with Trevor May? Probably not yet. No, right. I'm not. And, and is it fair to judge a guy by his big league debut? No, it, it's probably not. <laughs> it did. It set the tone. I mean, it, it put in your mind like, wow, this guy gets nervous. But that's a flusterable moment. Yes, it like, is. I don't blame him for I don't freaking either. out, but I, he did. I, I, I have choked like that in many aspects of life where I just got really nervous and anxious. And Yeah, like, we all do. Yeah, but, but the fact is he has a little bit of a history of that, and so, and so I worry about that. All right, scenario two. Maeda pitches. Do, do you agree with my rankings then? I I or you go Whistler Clippard May. I go Whistler Clippard May, but my hook on Whistler is incredibly quick. Like sure. if he if he doesn't have it, I do not leave him in. Well, here's the problem though: three three batter minimum. All right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm this is a fun game. I, it is. I'm changing my tune. If it was one batter, if it was the rules of last Whistler. year, I bring in Whistler and see if he's got his good stuff. Because it's not. I think I bring in Clippard because you just don't know with Whistler. Yeah, Here's the thing. Me. Rocco probably has more insight into that. He probably knows whether Whistler's the type of guy that can handle that. I don't, don't know. Be too smart for your own good, Rocco. I know. I know. So so I think I think you've convinced me, and the three batter minimum has convinced me that I go Clippard, Whistler, May. All right. Okay. Second scenario. Maeda pitches an absolute gem. You're up 1-0 going into the ninth. He, he's given you eight innings. What a performance. But he's at 120 pitches. He's done. Duffy. Who do you bring in to lock down a one-run lead in the ninth? You've got your full bullpen available, including Odorizzi and Hill. Who, who D- Duffy. Duffy comes in. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. Um, he, he's had some – he has certainly had, of late it feels like, some – not meltdowns, but I, I think it's safe to term them hiccups. That being said – I'm pretty sure that if he comes in and it's the scenario that you just painted again, he's going to strike out two of the three guys, and he's probably going to get the last guy to ground to short or fly to center. Uh, this is not tough. Tyler Duffy right now, to me, is my most valuable, reliable. I love his stuff. And and it does it concerns me at times that he does get so, I don't know, not flustered, but he tends to get really, really – too intense at times. In, Self-critical. In, yeah. Uh, that concerns, concerns me a bit, but it doesn't override the fact that, I, to me, he's my most trustworthy arm from that bullpen. And so if this is what you're going to give me, I'm going to turn to Tyler Duffy in the ninth inning. And so, and I completely agree, he's my number one guy. I think barring a starter going eight like I just laid out, Tyler Duffy needs to be pitching two innings in at least one of these games. He has to. He's got to pitch multiple yeah. innings. Yeah. He is a weapon and you have to use them. You have to exhaust these guys. Now this is a three game series and you have a ton of off days. If you win it after uh, while they go to the bubble and all that, they have like three or four off days, depending on how quickly the series gets done. You have got to use your top arms to the point of exhaustion. I really believe that. And that's my concern that they're not going to do that. that They're going to get too cute and bring in some of these guys like Stashek and and others, field bar who are decent, good relievers but not your top guys, and it's going to cost them. I think you really stick to your biggest weapons, and I just I don't think that's gonna, I don't think that's how it's going to play out. But that, that's my question to you then about the starters, and if, if the starters are pitching well, do you allow them to go beyond where you ordinarily did, not to the point of a uh, 
ridiculous amount of pitches, but to the point of, you know what, Kenta can pitch the seventh, Kenta can pitch the eighth, or something like that. Um, because that's where I feel like Baldelli has this set rule book that he has come up with of, well, now I should make this move to, to your point, Stashek. Well, yeah, that's great on May 13th or August 13th of 2020, but that doesn't apply to September 29th or October 3rd. So I am curious if, if between Rocco and uh, Falvey and Levine, if there is going to be a conversation about if Kenta Maeda is pitching well, he gets it. He's a veteran. He's pitched in the playoffs before. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be, a situation where I would hope that you just don't go to your old faithful standby of let's change pitchers now because that's how we do it, which in life drives me crazy. And that's uh, what I just don't know. Do don't you know. think, uh, but back to Sano for a second. He's such a weird player. Uh, and he goes through these tremendous slumps like now, but then he'll have a week where he just crushes the baseball or a week and a half or something like that. Is there any reason that you think, uh, back to, to what you, you said before, because I think the answer might be yes, that we are on the precipice of such a streak where he gets hot? Because I don't think Sano is mentally engaged enough in life to be flustered by the playoffs, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think that's what causes him to either get hot or slump. I think he's just on Miguel time. And so I don't, So he's not a guy like May who I, I say to myself, oh, my God, the playoffs are here, and what's he going to do? I can't predict when Miguel's going to get hot, and I can't predict when he's going to fall off the cliff. Do you think in some weird way that we might see Sano have, like, two or three just, for him, really quality games here? Or am I crazy? No, you're not. You're, well, you're crazy, just like I'm crazy and everybody's crazy. But oh, sure, sure. Yes, that's you're, true. You're, you're not crazy for thinking that because I think the matchups uh, favor him. Like I said, I, I think he he struggles with a lot, but I think really high – look, he struggles <laughs> with really good pitching. I think that's – I totally agree with Matthew Collar. Matthew Collar get, got roasted on Twitter for years for trashing Sano and whatever. Who cares? But um, his point, which I agree with, is that Sano – feasts on mediocre pitching. He just destroys mediocre pitching because all he has to do is get the barrel on the ball. If he connects, that ball goes a long way and he's hitting doubles and home runs. It's, it's the, it, the, what prevents him from being a superstar offensively is that he can't connect enough generally, but I think where he really, really struggles is against that top-flight elite pitching. Um, that's why Garrett Cole, I wouldn't have even started him if they had faced the Yankees against Garrett Cole in game one because I think that's that's three to four strikeouts waiting to happen. But I'd like the matchup against Grinky because he's not high velocity. Yes, he'll trick you, and he's a smart pitcher. But I like that matchup, and I, I generally, you know, the Astros pen is very mediocre. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think he could go on one of these hot streaks. And if he does, then it's like, I mean, you've increased the, the chances that you win the series from, like, you know, 55% to... In two games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if he gets yeah, hot. I agree with that. So, it's impossible to predict with Miguel because just when you're ready to give up on him, he turns into a superstar. And just when you're, when you're ready to anoint him a superstar, he turns back into uh 60% strikeout rate, Miguel Sano. So you just, you, you don't know, but I like the matchups and I think it's possible. And I would start him in every game. I'm going to give you Jake, the thing that I am most curious about. So three games, potentially here. 
Here's the thing that I am most curious about that goes beyond our uh, Donaldson and Buxton going to play, and it's this one. Game two, Jose Barrios. I am so interested now because I feel like the pressure, it's not off, but I feel like the pressure of being the ace, you're starting game one, is definitely gone. Um, If he doesn't excel in this start on Wednesday, though, I think we need to rethink things even more so because, look, he got off to a brutal start for him. He was not good. He got hot. His last start was not great again, and that's fine. Um, But I am just so interested to see what he does on Wednesday, which could be a game that the Twins could eliminate the Astros in or the Astros could take out the Twins in. No matter what, just as far as the future of where he's going career-wise, to me, this becomes a really compelling start um, because I'm not certain he's going to succeed, but I know if this makes sense, he should succeed. <laughs> but what you just hit on there is where I think it – so there's a big difference between whether this is an elimination game, in, a, in other words, you lose and you're done, or whether you're trying to eliminate the Astros because in some ways it's more pressure to start game one but in a lot of ways, it's actually more pressure to start game two if your team loses game one, right? Because it's like, if you're the game one starter, you have a bad game, okay, your team can still come back. So that's where my, my, my prediction would be that if the Twins win game one, he just absolutely shoves in game two. Seven innings, nine strikeouts, one run, just dominates and looks like the Jose Barrios that, that we've seen and, and has so much potential to be a, a, a true ace. I think if the Twins lose game one, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if he really struggles. But that's what I'm curious. Yes, yeah. I'm with you. I don't know what to expect. To be clear, I don't know. I don't either. I just don't know. Like, I think, I think game one with Kenta, I've got a pretty good idea. I think he's going to pitch well. Um, I think it's going to be probably a competitive close game. Game three, Pineda, I'm not guarantee you – I'm not guaranteeing you he's going to pitch well, but I think I pretty much know what we're going to get, which is going to be a pretty damn good game, pretty decent. Barrios, I have no idea, man. This, to me, is a wild card, which is not a good thing to say, but if he does come out and shove, that's going to be really impressive. And the thing is, he's got to know in his heart he has the ability to shove. Like, this is not the Astros of 2017 when they came to what? target field and scored like 48 runs in three games or something ridiculous. Is that right? It was just an absolutely crazy uh, series. I think it was three or it could have been four games, but anyway, it was nuts. Um, But the Brios dynamic to me is just such an intriguing one because of, of the expectations for this guy for so long. And the fact that we're always on the Jose Brios roller coaster ride, like, it's just like, Hey, this year, Oh yeah, it's going up. It's going up. And then August it's bang. And it's just been such a weird, up and down that this is one predicament where I think at least I think at least it might start to clear things up as to who he's going to be and that could be good and it could be bad yeah I, I think confidence is just a huge thing for him I guess in some ways he's almost like the pitching version of Miguel Sano it's like when he's on he is an absolute superstar. but I think he cares too much don't you yeah like I, I think Miguel's yeah. detached I really I don't think there's a lot of thought there I, I part think- of the problem I think if he thought about his at-bats and baseball I think the guy could be a star. I think, yeah, Sano's an enigma. I, I don't know him well enough. I mean, to, to for sure say, like, obviously, 
I mean, look, I mean, he has a history, obviously, of uh, not always taking things seriously, starting with the fact that he got sent down in 2018 because he was Correct. so overweight. Um, I, what I will say about Miguel is he's worked his – can I say, can I say uh, this on the air? Yeah, you can say ass. He's worked his ass that. off yeah. to become a good first baseman, and I'll give him credit for that. I'll give him credit for being a peacemaker in that brawl because that saved the Twins several players from being suspended. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's gotten better about taking it seriously, but is he Jose Barrios? No. I mean, Barrios takes it extremely seriously um, to the point that I think he, he struggles with confidence issues uh, because he just – he has so – it's you know, he, he puts so much into it, and I think he probably gets really disappointed in himself and puts too much pressure on himself. Here's what I'll say about Barrios. I think if he has a good start and they win game two and they advance, he's going to be a superstar through October. Like, what, yeah. you just see, wouldn't that be great? If he shut down the Astros, couldn't you just see him going on a run where he's just a dominant ace type of pitcher and carries? But carries that's what I'm saying. Like, this could define, st- starting with his start on Wednesday, it could, it could sort of define things, good or bad, because you're and, right. And, you know, he has, two, he has two appearances now in the postseason, and neither have gone well, although he, he did get a little bit unlucky in game one last year at Yankee Stadium when C.J. Crone just dropped a double play ball. Um, and Elias didn't get to the ball. Was that with a reliever in, or was that with him nope, still? No, that was Barrios. Because that was too bad, too. He did get unlucky in that. I, I don't think he pitched nearly as bad as the line suggests, but he still only lasted four innings, you know? Right. So, and in the wild card game, he came in in relief when Santana had absolutely nothing, um, and he pitched okay, uh, but gave up, I think, three or four runs there. So, right. you know, the early history isn't good, but um, with no fan, I like the no fans for him. I really like the, it's the same reason I like it for Trevor May. Uh, you know, I think those guys just put so much pressure on themselves uh, and get and can get flustered. I think no fans can help them. But I, I'm with you. It's you just have no idea what to expect. But if he gives them a good start, then I expect greatness for the rest of October. Interesting, interesting. Last thing for me, who are your catchers? Yeah, so that's a great question. And do you carry two or three? I personally only. Do you need two. to carry three? No. No, I, I don't think so either. You don't. Um, the argument for carrying three would be that if you start Jeffers, you could use Garver as a pinch hitter, or I suppose vice versa, and have. I don't want him pinch hitting this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Alex Avila brings enough to the. I mean, again, he would be the third catcher, but I think that's a wasted roster spot. So I think you go Jeffers and Garver, and I think you start Jeffers. I think I. I don't think we've seen enough from Mitch Garver. I, I expect him to be back and 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 raking next year, uh, maybe not at 2019 levels. Um, but I, he, did he show you enough over these seven no, or eight games? No, 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 it's been a mess. And I think if they, had, if they had Garver penciled in as starting game one, they would have started him yesterday. The uh, only you know? thing – so, yeah, you know what? I think you might be right. I'm trying to think, too. If, I, I didn't go back and look, look this up before we started to record this show, but I want to say the last couple games, and then certainly the last game, Maya had pitched so well, and I think Jeffers caught him. So, yeah. So, Jeffers, so I think there's a compelling case to make that Jeffers, hey, you know, Mitch, we love you, but. And I just think that Jeffers is the better defensive catcher. I, I, I said this last podcast, but I think Garver has, a, has an issue with blocking balls, and that's the, those are the little things that are so magnified uh, in this type of series. Um, so yeah, I go Jeffers and I, and Garver's the backup. Is that what you, I assume that's your call as well? 
Yes, yes, and gar- yes, and um, I, I don't carry three. I just don't think that there's a compelling case to. Um, Jefferson's come up and played, I think, pretty well. He's certainly not in over his head. So at least for this round, if I can have, if I can add to a different position group or pitcher group, um, and knock a veal off my roster, I think that's absolutely fine. He might not be pleased, but I, you know what? I cannot please everybody on this team. It's impossible. So what's your bench? Give me your bench because if you're assuming, if you're let's assume Buxton and Donaldson are back, and I know that's a big assumption, but let's assume it. Yeah, I gotta have Adrianza has to be on my bench because he's gonna back up Arise and Donaldson, right? Yep. And Polanco, but I'm hoping Polanco can not uh, twist that ankle again. Um, so he's on my bench. Marwin, who will probably get some starts. I don't know, he, though. He always starts, dude. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, it's it's like like Rocco's whole life is rest and recovery, except Sergio Romo and Marlon Gonzalez, you will never rest. Marlon Gonzalez has played, I guarantee you, if you look at his innings played, and he is technically a utility guy, right? His innings played for 2020, I bet you, surpasses most position players. It's oh. unbelievable. He never comes out. He's never out. He's hitting like 208, never comes out. And that's why I said last podcast, as much as I love analytics, war and, you know, that doesn't capture the value of a Marwin Gonzalez because the Twins have been banged up all year and he's he's filled in and played good defense. And he's banged up, I think. And he just keeps playing. It's the damnedest thing. So so Adrianza is on my bench, who I don't love, but he'll be there. Marwin, um, Jake Cave. In fact, your guy, Lamont Wade, got they sent out completely. I can't believe you it. You love his at-bats. You love his approach. They sent his butt back to St. Paul or wherever they're they, – yeah. I, I guess that, that camp's closed now. They sent him somewhere, so he's out. So, J.K. for sure. So, that's three guys. Who who am I missing? Uh, well, and then and then the backup catcher would be Garver. Garver, right. And so that's so that's my – is that your bench? And then you the rest is pitchers? You know what? Probably for this round, because if I go, you know, because there, there are, if you go to extras in this round, we're done with guys starting on second base. So I probably have to, I probably have to work under an assumption that there could be, you know, let's say a 17 inning game, right? Mm-hmm. So I might need my pitching staff. Um, personally, I probably prefer one more bench player, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's your bench. So, yeah. I, I wouldn't either. Because Marwin can play everywhere, and they don't care. They'll play him everywhere. Yeah, but I don't think he'll start. I think if Donaldson and Buxton are back, I don't see how you can start Marwin. You can't start him over Sano. You can't start him over Arise. And you can't start him over any of the outfielders. So He might start at third base. I wouldn't be surprised if Donaldson well, yeah. does not start. Sure. So, sure. yeah, that that would be the one place. Yeah. Um, all right, last last question. I, I know we're running long. Do you bring Dobnik back and put him on the playoff roster as a long guy? Probably Cause not. Because he's a good long guy. Not he's, not for the first round. No, because I've got Jake. Yeah. And but, if I'm going to have Rich Hill, too, I, I'm not going to have Dobnik, Rich Hill, and Odo in my bullpen. But Jake can't give you length. You know, he's not stretched out. He's not stretched out. Yeah, but he can give me a couple innings, three he innings. Can three. He can give you and three. then I've got enough guys. Yeah, I don't think Dobnik makes it. Yeah. I think he scared him. I think his his almost complete, really weird loss of control Late in the season, there before he got sent out, rightfully scared him. Don't you? 
Yes. Well, that's like he was hitting guys. He lost. He he sort of lost the plate. It was sort. It was. It was a little bit disturbing. I think that's good. I I think that probably cost him a spot, at least to start with. It, it did, and the fact that they called up Smelter for the last two games instead of Dobnik. Dobnik was eligible to come back, and they didn't call him. <laughs> How about the Jake DePew plan? Your guy Lamont Wade gets sent out, and Smelter, <laughs> the guy that you're like, okay, enough of the Smelter project. He's back, and you're right. He might be the long guy. You you might be right about that. I would absolutely have Dobnik as the long guy over Smelter. I mean, I know you would. What is? I know Smel- you would. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not fine trying, with that. I'm not trying to rip Smelter, but what has he shown you? To, su- to suggest that, what was that? They love him. They love Smelter. They keep Why bringing him back. What, what is he? I, I don't know. What, what am I missing? I haven't talked to him lately, except I, I, on Zooms. Yeah. Where I they're mean, vague. I don't know. But yeah, I don't disagree. I'm just saying that if, if the conversation is who's going to be the long guy, uh, Dobnik or Smelter, in their mind, it's going to be Smelter. Yeah, and I just totally disagree with that because Dobnik, when he's on, has shown you that he can, he can uh, let's be honest, he can be a dominating pitcher. Um, and I know a lot of, a lot of it's really dependent on on batted ball luck, but um, he pitched extremely well. I just haven't seen a stretch like that from from Smelter yet. Right. You know, like Dobnik has shown you he can do it. I mean, I'm not saying Smelter can't, but he hasn't shown you that. Okay, uh, what's your pick? But before we wrap up here, who do you got? Oh God, um, uh, <sighs> Twins and three, Twins and three. I I, I think it's going to be a closer series than a lot of people are saying. I think the Astros, if there's any justice in the baseball world, and there probably isn't, but they deserve to lose. They deserve to get embarrassed, humiliated. You look at their offensive stats last year to this year. I mean, Altuve is like it's awful. an embarrassment. Yeah, um, terrible. But I think it'll be a close series because I just think these series will be close, um, all of them. Uh, but I think the Twins are the better team. And so, I ha- you know, you got to pick. Uh, yeah, Twins and three. Twins and three. I, I agree completely. I thought the same thing. I just don't. I mean, it should go to, but that's not how sports work. And exactly. and it's going to be. Um, I think the Twins win Game One. I think they lose Game Two, and I think they win Game Three. I'm with you. Just I'm with it's you. just going to be. And, and look, we are going to get. Make no mistake. In all of these series, in the AL and NL, we're going to get one or two massive upsets that are going to make the network TV people very upset. Like oh, something weird's going to happen. The Dodgers are just some something weird. Somebody's going to get knocked out. The Yankees, and and I mean, heck, that that wouldn't even be that weird. The point is, best two or three. We're going to have some really really fun but bizarre stuff. All that's, right, not ba- that's not how baseball works. Like the yeah. better, you know what else works like that? Hockey, yes. same thing. Because yes. a pitcher is going to get hot, or someone's going to get hot, and it's just like a hot goalie okay we are done uh here what we're going to do is uh, jake and i are going to come back and uh on thursday i think wrap this thing up we'll either be talking about twins advancing to the bubble uh which they would be going to the american league division series and or their season being done hopefully it's the former and not the latter zolgad and depew we will talk to you soon